Act 4, Eclipse Scene, King of Darkness, Chapter 1, The Black Sheep, The Muman Sea. King Solarius, Monster Carver, Dragonfly nervously paced around the ship's deck, listening to Alfie scream from inside her cabin. Two members of the crew were inside the cabin with her to carry out the delivery, and refused to let the king inside until they were finished. Overcome with anticipation, he resorted to punching the ship's mast until his knuckles were sore. Your Majesty! Erica, the first mate, flinched at the painful sight. Perhaps you should take a seat, Dash. Graf! Solarius growled, clawing at his shaved scalp. I just feel so helpless. I should be in there. I assure you, my king, Joanne and Marion are the best doctors in Muni. And Captain Alphys is strong. She will be fine. It's not just her I'm worried about. What if something goes wrong with the dash? He stopped his raving once he realized that he could no longer hear the captain screaming. Instead, his ears perked up to the sound of a softer cry. The king ran as fast as he could towards his lover's cabin, forcing his way through the door. Alphys was breathing heavily, but otherwise she was in good health. With her blouse undone, she held her newborn child close to her breast, nursing him. Once she spotted the child's father, she gave him a come-hither motion with her free hand. It's a boy, she whispered happily. A boy? Solarius cupped his hands over his mouth so that he wouldn't startle the infant. Still, he proceeded to inch closer to the bed. Once he had his fill, the baby finally calmed down and rested in his mother's arm. Alfie sighed in relief and readjusted her blouse. The captain felt her lover sit down at the end of the bed and observed his longing gaze. Would you like to hold him? she asked. And me? Solarius trembled nervously. But W what if I drop him? Or crush him? Or dash? Solarius, it's okay. He's your son. I believe in you. Alfie smiled softly. The king slowly reached out his arms to take the newborn baby. That's it. Keep his head up. You've got it. Solarius felt his child's steady heartbeat as he held him close to his chest. The infant was practically a mirror image of his mother, having a small tuft of green hair, perfect porcelain skin, and a pair of beautiful indigo eyes. If it weren't for the dual spade-shaped birthmarks on the boy's cheeks, Solarius would doubt that this was actually his own child. A wonderful sensation swelled up in the king's chest as tears of joy ran over the lightning bolts on his own cheeks. Eclipsing Totalis Dragonfly The monster carver smiled. You are destined for great things, my son. Eight years later. Prime Minister Jessica Dragonfly Spiderbite practically skipped her way into her family castle carrying a special surprise over her shoulder. On her way, she was greeted by a handful of the delegates from other kingdoms who respectfully bowed in her presence. But as she finally reached her nephew's room, she heard crying coming from the other side of the door. Eclipsing? She slowly stepped inside, only to see the prince weeping into his pillow. She quickly sat down on the bed, rubbing his back. Eclipsing, what's wrong? Aunt Jessica, he whimpered. Am I strange? Jessica's eyes flared with rage. Who do I need to kill? 
she scowled, gripping the dagger attached to her belt. Everyone, he sobbed. I went into town and tried to play with some of the other children, but when I tried to show them my dragonfly collection, they said I was too strange to play with them. Oh, sweetie. And I heard their parents talking, too, he went on. They said they were scared about having me as a king one day. They said they could see evil in my eyes. Everyone's scared of me. Jessica cooed and continued to rub his back. It was true that some of the boy's behavior was odd to the average Mewman, such as his fascination with horror stories and his gothic sense of style. But she adored how much joy it brought him, and she knew his father shared the same sentiment. Eclipsing, there aren't many other people who share your hobbies. But then again, none of them were a prince. The prince paused to gaze into her eyes. You know what you're guilty of? You're guilty of distinctiveness. You have a gift that lets you see the beauty in things others shun. And that makes you a kindred spirit. So, yes, you are strange, but it is nothing to be ashamed of. The prime minister smiled. It's something that deserves to be celebrated. No one normal ever did anything special. Her nephew wiped his eyes, finally smiling. Thank you, Aunt Jessica. After another tight hug, Eclipsine felt the bag. What's this? Oh, of course. I almost forgot. The Prime Minister jumped to her feet and stripped away the plastic. Eclipsine's jaw dropped open at the sight of the sleek, indigo tuxedo with a green bow tie and ruby-encrusted pendant shaped like a black widow spider. Happy birthday, Eclipsine! She announced with much enthusiasm. It only took a few moments for the boy to put on the outfit, showing off how perfectly it fit him. Well, what do you think? She squealed, excitedly. Do you love it? It's, it's nice, Aunt Jessica, but, um... Oh. Jessica's face fell, slightly. I suppose you'd rather wear something like your dad's, huh? Actually. Eclipsine rubbed his arm, sheepishly. I was hoping it could come with a hat like yours. The former princess nearly fainted. I've been waiting eight years for you to ask me that. She happily wept before reaching into her purse for the needed supplies. Muni's Wharf A certain sea captain sadly puffed on her tobacco pipe as she looked out over the vast body of water. Today was her son's birthday, and she was hiding away on a boat. The thought of the young boy celebrating his special day with everyone else he loved nearly brought her to tears. It had been a mutual agreement between her and Solarius that they wouldn't tell Eclipsine who his mother was, out of fear of him not understanding why she didn't live with them. In the castle. But after eight years of watching him grow from afar, she couldn't help but wonder about the road not taken. Suddenly, the conch shell next to her rang out, and she lazily lifted it up to her ear. This is Captain Alphys Gibbs of the Royal Muman Navy, she answered. How may I help you? Hello, Alphys, a cheerful voice replied. This is Jessica. Jessica, Jessica, Alphys tapped her finger against the mast, trying to jog her memory before it clicked. Oh, Jessica, right, right. Um, sorry, I've just been so busy with my own responsibilities. I think it's taking a toll on my mind. 
In fact, you're lucky you called while I had a little free time. What can I do for you? Well, I was thinking about taking Eclipsine on a little boat ride for his birthday today, the intelligent fashionista explained. But if you're too busy, we could try another day. Alfie's choked on her pipe smoke out of excitement. She took out a small notebook, pretending to look through it as she calmly answered back. Well, I wouldn't say that. Let me just check my schedule. H.M. 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 Sure, I could squeeze in some time. How soon will you be here? Is this fast enough? Jessica snapped her magic compact mirror shut, chuckling as her friend jumped in surprise. Alfie straightened her jacket and cleared her throat before turning around. Welcome aboard your dash. The Navy officer gasped in delight at the prince's attire. Eclipsing, my boy. Look at you, with your suit and tie. You look just like one of those paintings in the castle halls. Thank you, Captain Alphys. Eclipsine smiled proudly. My Aunt Jessica made it for me. She said it made me look distinguished. Well, then it serves its purpose. The captain nodded in approval. Will the king be joining us? He's tied up in the war room today. Sorry to disappoint. Jessica rolled her eyes before she continued. But until he can join us for dinner, we were hoping you could give the birthday boy a nice ride. Oh, please, Captain. The prince bounced on his heels. Can we? Can we? I would be honored to. She smiled. In fact, I think I know a certain area that you will definitely appreciate. A few minutes later, the trio set off in a small tugboat towards the Waterfolk Isles. But instead of the typical trade routes that were protected by the Muman Navy, Alfie set course for murky waters. While his aunt was a bit unnerved, the prince happily breathed in the foggy air, excited by the ominous atmosphere. The hull bumped into something, and Alfie activated the ship's searchlight. Eclipsine propped himself up on the tips of his toes to see over the rail. Their destination turned out to be a macabre collection of wrecked warships and fishing boats. The captain carefully maneuvered into a safe spot to drop the anchors and idle the engines before she lifted the prince onto her shoulders. What do you think, Prince Eclipsine? It's so creepy, he giggled. I love it. What is this place? This where your father first waged war against the monster hordes, Alphys explained. The Royal Navy spent almost an entire year trying to reclaim the Waterfolk Isles. It was a massacre. Casualties on both sides by the hundreds. Wow, that must have made so many ghosts. Eclipsine's eyes sparkled with amazement. Do you think we'll see any? Alphys chuckled. Actually, your highness, there's no such thing as ghosts. Those are nothing more than silly urban legends. Right, Jessica? Jessica? Jessica didn't verbally answer. She just shivered in fear as she hid her face behind her hat. But, but that doesn't make any sense. The prince sounded slightly distraught. If people don't turn into ghosts, then what happens to them when they die? Uh, we just don't know. The captain shrugged. There are those who believe that there is something called the afterlife, but it's more about faith than hard science. Personally, I try not to think about it too often. Your father would say it's just one of life's great mysteries. 
You talk about my dad a lot. Eclipsine pointed out, bluntly. Oh, do I? Alphys blushed. Well, he's, he's a good king. And a better man. After a few hours of wading through the murky waters, Jessica noted that it was getting dark and that Solarius would be home soon. So, Alphys brought the tugboat back to shore and led the royal duo back to the carriage. Well, it was a pleasure to see you again, your highness. She sighed, wistfully. I'm glad you shared your birthday with me. Come along, Eclipsine. Your father will be ready any minute now. Jessica led her nephew back to the carriage. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Eclipsine pulled his and free from Jessica's hold and ran back to the dock. The sea captain pivoted on her heels at the sound of the prince's voice. Captain Alphys, I want to tell you something. What would you like to tell me? Alphys knelt down, pleasantly curious. I like you. Alphys felt her cheeks warming up as she gave him a quick hug. Oh, I like you too. Thank you so much for telling me that. But you really should be heading home, now. Your father will want to see you. Okay. Once Eclipsine reached the end of the docks, he turned back one last time before leaving. Bye, Mom. The sea captain's eyes widened in shock and her heart skipped a beat. The prince was long gone by the time she looked back, but that didn't stop her from smiling to herself. That is the smartest boy I've ever met, she mused to herself. Later that night, Solarius wandered back into the castle, looking over the latest report from the front with a malcontent expression. But as he entered the grand hall, a stifled laugh drew his attention to the ceiling. Eclipsine? His son was obviously struggling to keep quiet, but the king could clearly hear him sneaking up from behind. Nevertheless, he playfully tucked the scroll into his belt and crossed his arms, smiling. Eclipsine! I know you're here. Come on out. You can't hide forever. Yaf! Eclipsine clumsily jumped out from behind the curtain brandishing a wooden toy sword. And guard, Dad. The crown will be mine. He giggled. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Solarius wielded his scepter as if he were to activate the magic blade. If you want my crown, you'll have to take it. Have at thee. Eclipsine sparred with his father, pretending he was actually in battle. After a few more minutes of playing, the prince tapped his father's shin with the tip of his false weapon. Ouch! The king dropped his scepter and feigned injury, jumping on one leg as he hugged the other. Ow! Oh. Hey, now! That's not fair! Mommy! Eclipsine laughed and continued to tap at his father with the sword. Death to the old king! Ah! Uh, oh! You got me! I'm dying! Ugh! Solarius humorously exaggerated and laid down on the floor. Eclipsine frowned and rubbed his father's arm. I didn't hurt you too bad, did I? No, I'm fine. Solarius chuckled, propping himself up on his elbows. I'm sorry it took me so long to get here. But I have a special surprise for you. The prince watched with anticipation as his father dug through a pouch on his belt. At last, the king handed over a small sack to the boy. Eclipsine gently tugged away the string, 
and gasped at the sight of the bag's contents. Are these... Yep. The monster carver smiled brighter than ever. Purple rose seeds. I went to ten different markets and talked to fifty different merchants, but I found them. Happy birthday, Eclipsing. Oh, thank you, Dad. The prince cheered, wrapping his arms around his father. This will complete my garden. Shall we plant them now? Solarius suggested. But you hate gardening. Oh, I know. But it's your birthday, so you call the shots. Eclipsine grabbed his father's wrist and gleefully led him towards the center of the castle. Ever since he was five years old, the prince had tirelessly worked to transform an isolated area of the palace into a private haven all to himself. But out of all the flowers he had grown, the one type he treasured most were roses of all colors. Solarius was never too fond of the activity, but he was content that it brought joy to his son's life. There! Eclipsine grinned, sprinkling water over the fresh soil. Now, in just eight weeks, there will be a new color of roses in this flower bed. Congratulations, my boy! Solarius proudly patted his child on the back. What was once a small patch of dirt, you've turned into a paradise. Later in the evening, after sharing a delicious roast followed by a half of a chocolate cake, the king, his heir, and the prime minister spent hours talking about their day. But after a while, Solarius led Eclipsine up to his bedroom. The prince couldn't help but notice his father's dejected frown as he shut the door behind them. What's wrong, Dad? Eclipsine, I... I have to go away tomorrow. The king clenched his fist, as if he wanted to punch something. I'm going to be gone for a year. What? Eclipsine's heart sank. You're... you're leaving me? No, no, buddy, I'm not leaving you. The king got down on his knees so that he could look his son in the eyes. It's just that, this war's gone on longer than we expected it to, and my generals need me on the front lines. I hate this stupid war. The prince pouted and kicked his bedpost. Who's gonna take care of me? Who will I talk to when I feel alone? Who's gonna sing me leaves from the vine when I have nightmares? Hey, hey, come on. Solarius did his best to sound reassuring. You'll be fine. I can send letters to a messenger so we can still talk. And you'll have Indexia to help you with your teaching, so you'll never be alone. And your Aunt Jessica and Alphys will come visit you when they can. They can sing for you, and they sing, uh, I'll hire a songstrel for you. I'm gonna miss you, the poor boy whimpered. Solarius gently brushed his child's hair and sighed, heavily. I'm really gonna miss you too, pal. But W, we have to be very brave about this, okay? We've got people counting on us to be brave, so can you show me a brave face? Can you smile for me, before I go? Not wanting to disappoint his father, Eclipsine smiled as best as he could manage. There you go. The king grinned. Okay. Now that we got this bravery thing out of the way, I want you to give me the biggest, most gigantic, most greatest hug you ever gave me in the whole, entire world. Ready? And go! Before the prince could react, he was scooped up into his father's strong arms. He giggled uncontrollably 
as he was assaulted by multiple sloppy but affectionate kisses. Solarius gingerly placed him down onto the bed and covered him with the blanket. While his father sat down beside him, Eclipsine reached over to his nightstand and handed his drawing to him. This is a goodbye present, he declared softly. Solarius was briefly taken aback. Eclipsine, this is your drawing. Are you sure? Eclipsine bit his lip, conflicted about parting with the simple piece of artwork. But deep in his heart, he knew he wanted the king to have it. Yes, I'm sure, he replied at last. Solarius felt an ache in his heart as he folded the paper and tucked it under his chest piece. Shifting in his place slightly, he removed a bracelet from his wrist and placed it in his son's hand. Well, in that case, I want you to have this. This is your, your grandmother's bracelet. The monster carver struggled to keep smiling as he forced back his tears. I want you to wear it on your wrist, and whenever you look at it, you'll know that I'm thinking about you, okay? Thanks, Dad. Solarius kissed his boy's forehead one last time and walked over to the door. He turned back to see his son's dejected expression, one last time. Goodbye, Eclipsine, he whispered shakily. Bye, Daddy. Eclipsine sniffled, crying softly. That finally did it. Solarius couldn't stand to stare into his child's innocent eyes anymore. He closed the bedroom door and leaned against the wall. The king reached back under his armor to examine the drawing again. And with a heavy heart, he hugged the artwork close to his chest, finally allowing his tears to fall free. Chapter 2 The Size Shifter Now, just like I showed you, your highness. Indexia hovered over the desk, watching her newest student practice a special technique. In spite of the fact that he was still too young to inherit the deceptor, Eclipsine was given the great book of magic to get a jump start on his studies. Based on his father's biological inability to dip down, to use magic without the use of the scepter Indexia feared that the prince's body would follow suit. Thankfully, the blue mage had developed an effective workaround that would require more study and practice, but would also be just as powerful. Eclipsine had been studying this particular spell for two weeks, and he was eager to finally put it into practice. Focusing all his concentration on his left hand, the prince silently whispered in ancient Mumin. Halfway through the enchantment, he felt a strange tingling sensation building up in his arm. At last, a dark purple flame burst into existence. Eclipsine gasped in surprise as he curiously observed the fruition of his hard work dancing in between his fingers. So, this is dark magic? Indeed, my boy. Indexia hovered around her newest student like a moon orbiting a planet. But be warned, you must never use this power out of anger. Otherwise, you will risk letting it consume your body. So be sure you keep your emotions in check. Eclipsine nodded in understanding before Indexia disappeared into the great book. With nothing better to do until his father returned in the evening, he dug through his closet for a long rope and tied it to his bedpost. Once he was safely on the ground, the prince headed towards the forest of certain death, hoping to finally see a monster for himself. He had studied his father's entries in the great book, 
and knew almost just as much about monsters as any member of the Solarian army. Much to his delight, the prince was able to hide up in the trees and spy on several monsters of different species. He found conjoinicorns, bat creatures, frogmen, kappas, and even a few lizards. He was very careful not to let them see or hear him as he observed their habits and routines. He was about to head home when he heard a faint wail in the distance. Curious, he headed towards the source of the noise. What he saw nearly made him fall out of the tree. A size shifter an extraordinarily powerful and rare breed of monster was caught in a human-made trap meant for hunting bears, lions, and other big-game animals. Based on the darker stripes of the fur, he realized that this monster was a female. But more importantly, she was in pain. The teeth of the trap were digging into her leg, drawing blood, hence the wail. Eclipsine's heart ached at seeing another living creature suffer. Against his better judgment, he climbed down from the tree and quietly approached the trapped monster. Her whimpering didn't stop until she spotted the mumin. Eclipsine stumbled backwards, slightly, as she bared her razor-sharp teeth and growled as a warning. Regardless, he moved towards the trap, waved his hands around the jaws, and began to whisper. Just as he'd hoped, purple sparks began to swirl around his fingers until a small lightning bolt blasted the trap to pieces. The size shifter quickly jumped to her feet before pinning Eclipsine to the ground. He shuddered, slightly, as the monster's teeth got closer and closer to his face. However, her growls slowly died down as she looked back at the scattered shards of metal that were just recently piercing her leg. She looked back at her liberator with an indifferent expression. Thanks. She hissed. Anytime. Eclipsine breathed, slightly relieved. The size shifter released her grip on the boy and went to pick up a piece of parchment she had dropped after being caught in the trap. You know, that wasn't put here recently. The prince got up and cautiously moved closer to the monster. This place used to be a hunting ground from humans up until the war. That trap has probably been here for decades, and it was covered by tall grass, so that's probably why you didn't see it. The size shifter turned around visibly confused. She briefly scanned the surrounding area before looking back at the prince. Are you talking to me? Yes. He smiled. I just want to make sure you know how to prevent yourself from getting caught in another trap. Yeah, right. She rolled all four of her eyes. Why would you want to help me? It's the right thing to do. He shrugged. Why wouldn't I? Seriously? She took a deep breath and spread her arms. Okay, listen, little Muman, take a good, long look at me. What am I? The prince took a step backwards to do as she asked. Starting at the top of her violet-colored hair and horns, down past the four of her eyes, then to the swaddling cloth she wore, then to her bare feet before going back up to meet her eyes. Yet he still wasn't quite sure what kind of answer she was looking for. Um, Red? No. What are you, stupid? She flailed her arms in frustration. I'm a monster. A size shifter. I can rip a tree out from the ground. It takes a small army just to hurt me. And I eat people. Doesn't that bother you? Eclipsing shook his head. No, not particularly. The monster blinked in surprise. Really? 
Yes, really. Huh. Oh. Of course. I see what the problem is. I haven't even introduced myself. The prince took off his hat and bowed, respectfully. I am Eclipsing Totalis Dragonfly. And you are? The size shifter wasn't sure what to say. Most Mirmans only ever wanted to kill her at first glance, not set her free from a trap and then make small talk. She wasn't entirely in any mood to talk, anyway. She had a mission to carry out. But giving her name wouldn't be too much. Uh, Globgul. She shrugged and walked away. Globgul? Eclipsine rubbed his chin thoughtfully. Well, I must say, that is a very interesting name. Is it ethnic, or are you named after someone close to your family? You see, I'm rather interested in different cultures. That's nice. Globgul nodded, uninterested. Now, why don't you run along home and play with your friends? Oh, well, uh, I don't really have any friends, the prince admitted sadly. But his dejected demeanor quickly faded as he followed the purple monster. So, perhaps I can spend some time with you. Globgul's blood pressure was rising. What did she have to do to get this muman to leave her alone? She turned around again, pointing a razor-sharp claw in his face. Listen, you obnoxious, prattling, little muman, she growled. I gave you a chance to walk away because you got me out of that trap, but you are really pushing it. But I just ash. No. Shut up, she bellowed. I have to try to figure out what this damn map is saying. The only clue I was given was to head north, but I can barely make it through these woods without setting any more traps. So just leave me alone. The last thing I need is some worthless mewman slowing me down. So get lost before I bite your head off. The size shifter turned around to study to map again, trying to make sense of the directional guide. But before she could even take one step forward, Eclipsine called out to her again. Globgul, wait! The size shifter was on the verge of murdering the boy at this point. In the blink of an eye, she pivoted on her feet and snarled. What? You're heading southeast. He pointed in the opposite direction, while maintaining eye contact. North is that way. Globgul re-examined her map then back at the Mewman. How did you know that? My father taught me how to navigate when I was five. The prince smiled. I can always find my way around, but it works better if I have a map. Really? Globgul pointed to the X on the parchment. Can you find where this is? Oh, yes. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy, he replied cheerfully. You just have to go this way, that way, that way, this way, this way, this way, that way, this way, that way. Globgul bit her lip as the gears in her head conjured up a plan. At last, she cleared her throat and puffed out her chest proudly. Ahem. After careful consideration, I have decided to make you a deal. In exchange for leading me to my destination, I will not eat you alive. Okay. Eclipse seen eagerly snatched the map up and led the way into the woods. But for the record, you could have just asked. The monster was thankful that her fur covered up her blush. Just keep moving. Over the next few hours, 
Eclipsine and Globgul maneuvered through hundreds of trees as they tried to find the mysterious treasure. During the journey, the prince marveled at the enchanting scenery. An adorable hummingbird swooped down and hovered around the boy's face as if to say hello, much to his amusement. Soon afterwards, the duo came upon a stream for a short break. While Globgul drank the water, Eclipsine observed the rainbow-colored fish. Hours later, Globgul decided to stop for the day to set up camp. While the female monster hunted for dinner, Eclipsine started a roaring fire. His friend came back with blood dripping from her chin as she chewed an entire deer in her mouth. She sat down next to the muman and warmed herself by the fire. Meanwhile, Eclipsine beamed as a group of fireflies danced through the air while listening to the crickets. Who knew the forest of certain doom could be so peaceful? He chuckled. Ah, uh, we just call it that to keep Newman's out, Globgo replied, wiping her mouth. What? Really? Yeah, the official story is that a hunting party wandered into a conjoinicorn's den, and they threatened that anyone who entered too far into the woods would die, instantly. I am not even upset. Color me impressed. Eclipsine pursed his lips as he looked over the map again. So, what exactly are you looking for? Well, not that it's any of your business, she remarked, licking her lips and fingers. But I made a special deal with the Kappas to find some precious idol for them in exchange for a little something for myself. The Kappas? The prince's eyebrow arched. Do you really think you can trust them to uphold their end of the bargain? Ha, huh, not on their lives, she snorted. But this time, I'm gonna have what they want. I don't get what I want first, they don't get their idol. Ha ha! My, you are tricky! He praised. So, what did you ask for in return? Globgul ignored the muman and crossed her arms. Like I said, it's none of your business. Eclipsine looked hurt. Why don't you want to talk about it? Why do you want to talk about it? Why are you answering my question with a question? Why are you asking questions I clearly don't want to answer? Well, why do you have trouble expressing your wants? I don't. I want you to shut up. See? No problem. You're just displacing your anger. Trust me, it's properly placed. You seem rather upset at whoever did this to you. No one did anything to me. Yes, yes, yes. Someone hurt you long ago. They hurt you so terribly that it made you want to push away everybody else. Leave my parents out of this. Globgul instantly doubled her body mass and barred her razor-sharp teeth at the inquisitive Newman. But instead of being intimidated, Eclipsine smiled and clapped in triumph. Aha! A breakthrough! The monster was dumbfounded as her companion paced around the campfire, attempting to further the investigation. Let's explore family origins, shall we? Were you hugged as a child, Globgul? Did your parents abuse you? All right. All right. Globgul conceded, crossing her arms in frustration. With a solemn expression, the size shifter sat down and explained her anger to the boy prince. They, they left me when I was young. At first, I thought it was just a size shifter thing, like a rite of passage, but... I've seen other size shifters with their parents who are much older than I was. I see. 
Eclipsine rubbed his chin. And how does that make you feel? Like nothing. Globga laid down on her back, rubbing the sadness from her eyes. The Kappas promised me my own castle in exchange for the idol. I just... I want a home. And someone to share it with. Someone who can see past the big, scary, ugly monster and appreciate me for my soul. Eclipsine felt his heart skip a beat as his cheek marks glowed. Something sprouted on the bridge of his nose. He peeled it off, revealing it to be a Muberty love mark in the shape of a purple spade. This could only mean one thing. The prince had fallen in love with Glaubgal. Smiling nervously, the prince sat down next to his companion, leaning forward to look deep into two of her eyes. Um, you know, when we met? I didn't see you as just a big, scary, ugly monster. Globdal's frown slowly shifted into a modest grin as she looked back up at the Mewman. Yeah, I know. Her gaze shifted away from her new friend up to the sky as a soft sigh slipped through her lips. The stars are coming out early tonight. Stars? Eclipsine looked up at the sky in terror. Sure enough, the sun had disappeared he had no idea how late it was. Oh, dear stump! Am I gonna get it? What? What's wrong? My father. He is going to be livid when he founds out I snuck out this late. Eclipsine bit his nails out of fear. I have to go home. Whoa, wait. You can't go. She protested. You're my guy. I'll meet you back here tomorrow, I promise. But I need to dash. Suddenly, a knife sipped through the air, sliced the prince's cheek and embedded itself into a tree. Eclipsine cried out in pain, while his companion found the source of the attack. A bat creature stepped out from the shadows, holding another knife in a menacing manner. Globgal immediately moved her arm in front of the Muman to protect him. You are not welcome, boy, he snarled. Ah, uh, heh heh, we don't want any trouble, kind sir, the prince stammered nervously. Oh, you don't, do you? The bat taunted. Well, that's just what you're going to get. He's mine, Globgo growled. Leave now, before I eat you. You shut up, the bat snapped. And you, poor little Muman boy, consider this a lesson to you for wandering into monster territory. But before the bat could even throw the knife, a muscular man clad in Solarian battle armor tackled him to the ground and proceeded to beat him to death. You will not touch my son. Dad, Eclipsine cried out in relief. Dad? Globgal spluttered in disbelief. Unfortunately for the size shifter, the monster carver whipped his head around at the sound of his son's voice. Acting on impulse, she grabbed the boy and dashed away as fast as her legs would carry her but it was no time before she heard a warnicorn stomping after them. To make matters worse, her new friend kept squirming in her grasp. No! Stop! It's okay! Eclipsine held on to the monster's hand for dear life, trying to talk her down. You don't understand. That's my father! No, you don't understand, Lobgo retorted. That's your father, out to kill me! The prince looked back at his father's angered expression, noting his clenched teeth and bulging eyes.
Globga was right. If he caught up with them, she wouldn't survive. Luckily, as they approached a steep incline, he conjured up a brilliant plan. Throw me, he said. What? Are you crazy? Do you trust me? What? Do you trust me? Yes? Then let me go. At last, Eclipsine slipped free from Globgul's hand and stumbled down the rocky slope. Unfortunately, it was a bit more steep than he expected and soon found himself spiraling out of control. Dad, help me, he cried out. As he suspecting, the king gave up on his pursuit and dove after the boy. Solarius finally grabbed onto the boy's jacket and dug the scepter's magic blade into the ground, halting their descent. Eclipsine hugged his father tight as they climbed back to the top. Once they were back on even ground, Solarius didn't hesitate to hug and kiss and inspect his child for any injuries. If he hadn't been so hysterical, he might have noticed that the size shifter was hiding in the bushes to make sure for herself that Eclipsine was unharmed. She didn't leave until her friend waved her off as his father took him back to the castle. That night, Eclipsine wrote a special chapter in the great book about his day with Globgul. Three years later, Eclipsine held his newly inherited scepter aloft to light his path. He had spent hours trying to sneak out of the castle and through the woods, all while holding a neatly wrapped box close to his chest. At long last, he found the monster temple on a cliffside just beyond the forest of certain death. Focusing a telekinetic spell through the crystal, he forced the massive steel doors to open up. Inside, he inspected the impressive architecture, enjoying the ominous atmosphere. A sharp chill suddenly crept up his spine. Something was sneaking up on him. With cat-like reflexes, he pivoted on his heels and shone the light just as a giant hand scooped him up. Globgo giggled at how she could still get the drop on him. Oh, you, he sighed. You're late, she smiled. I was worried you weren't coming. My apologies, he replied, holding up the box. But it occurred to me today that I have never given you a proper housewarming gift. You didn't have to do that, she blushed. After placing the prince back on the floor, she shrank down to seven feet tall so that she could open the present, herself. Her eyes sparkled at the silver necklace. I put a special enchantment on it, Eclipsine explained. So it will grow and shrink when you do. This is so sweet. The hours flew by as the two friends wandered through the empty temple, catching up on everything they had missed since they last saw each other. Globgul told him about all the special renovations she had made to her new home, and even some new friends she had made. Eclipsine's stories weren't as interesting. Ever since he inherited the scepter, his days mostly consisted of meeting with the people who would one day join him on the High Council. The worst person of all was Duchess Shastika Spiderbite. Eclipsine described her as hideous on the inside as well as on the outside. Her father, the Duke of Spiderbites had consistently tried to persuade Solarius into an arranged marriage between himself and the horrible girl. Eclipsine was certain that the arrangement was only a feeble attempt for the Spiderbites to gain a higher position of power in the hierarchy, but he had faith that his father wouldn't force him into something that he would hate. This woman sounds awful, 
Lobgo grumbled. Would you like me to take a break from my vegetarian streak and eat her? Eclipsine snorted. No. That'd be too good for her. Plus, she'd probably give you indigestion. After sharing a laugh, the prince checked his pocket watch and sighed dejectedly. Well, I should be going now. We don't need a repeat of when we first met. No kidding. She agreed. Take care on your way back, Eclipsine. Tonight's rainfall is just a little heavier than usual. The prince looked up at the sky just as he stepped outside and prepared the umbrella of his scepter. So it is. I hadn't noticed. It's been storming for the past hour, she pointed out. How could you not notice? Eclipsine chuckled and unfolded his scepter's umbrella. Darling, whenever I'm with you the sun is always shining. In the spur of the moment, he pushed himself up on his toes and gave her a quick kiss on the cheek. Globgill's eyes widened with shock, speechless from the act of affection. Eclipsine grew nervous upon seeing her like this, worried she didn't feel the same way. It was enough to make his heart ache. I am sorry, he muttered ashamed. I shouldn't have. I just, you're a very lovely person and I. I've cherished this journey we've spent together and I dash. He was cut off by a finger pressed against his lips. Globgul had shrunken down enough to where she could meet his eyes without crouching down. The first time she had ever done that before. You missed. She smiled. Eclipsine cocked an eyebrow. What do you mean I missed? You missed. She repeated and pressed her own lips against his. Eclipsine's eyes widened, his heartbeat quickened, and his cheek marks shone brighter than ever before. Once the kiss was broken, Globgul waved goodbye once more before entering her castle, leaving the prince in a love-struck trance. With his cheeks still glowing, Eclipsine happily danced back through the forest with a broad smile on his face. Just the thought of his love kissing him made him feel happier than ever before. Then again, he would argue that even long before Globgul showed any romantic attraction she could make all his troubles and worries seem far away. She was his true love, his soulmate. Looking up at the sky, Eclipsine held out his hand to feel the rainfall. He shrugged, folded up the umbrella into his scepter, and proceeded to dance and sing through the woods back to Muni. As he continued his journey home, he made sure to playfully stomp and kick through puddles as he did when he was a child. His smile only grew wider as his path transitioned from wet mud to solid cobblestone. Still dancing and singing, he held his scepter as if it were globgul. It wasn't until he reached the castle's entryway that he finally noticed the citizens surrounding him. As always, they looked at him with a mixture of confusion and fear. Why wouldn't they? He was dancing and singing in the rain with a broad smile plastered over his face like a madman. But this time, it didn't bother him so much. His lips were still warm from Globgul's kiss. Feeling tired, the prince bid farewell to the citizens and lazily climbed up to his chambers to go to sleep. Chapter 3. Dealing with Grief Nine Years Ago Eclipsine Dragonfly happily munched on a snooker's bar as he proudly displayed his garden to his grandfather. After a brief tour of flowers and shrubbery, the prince begged Skywind to tell him stories of interdimensional travels, which he was more than happy to oblige. 
the king of ours enjoyed spending time with. The boy, one of the few perks of no longer being a ruler was having more time for his family. At the end of the day, Skywind carried Eclipsine on his shoulders up to his bedroom. But the older man suddenly buckled in pain just as they reached the doorway. Eclipsine dropped down and handed his grandfather a handkerchief. Skywind quickly accepted the cloth and coughed violently into it. Are you okay, Grandpa? I am fine, Eclipsine. Just a little under the weather. The former king tucked his handkerchief into his back pocket. He didn't want the boy to see the red stains. In truth, Skywind's body was slowly succumbing to a serious disease, and the royal physician estimated that he would perish in six months. Only Solarius and Jessica knew about his affliction, as they didn't want the young prince to worry. Regardless, Skywind refused to spend his remaining days in a hospital room, swallowing pills in a vain attempt to prolong his life. He just wanted to be with his family. Just as he was tucking his grandson into bed, the boy looked up. Grandpa? Yes? Do you miss Grandma? What? Do I miss Grandma? Skywind sat down on his grandson's bed, slowly processing the question. Well, yes. Of course I do. I... I miss her every day. Why do you ask? Because I miss Daddy, the prince whimpered. And I'm afraid he'll get hurt like Grandma did. Skywind was at a loss for words. Not a single day had gone by since the death of his beloved Gem Ivine that he wished he had been the one to die at the hands of the Lizard Man. But there was nothing he could do about it now. His wife was gone forever. I'm sure your father won't get hurt, my boy, he promised. I was wondering, couldn't we use the scepter to bring Grandma back to life? Oh, Eclipsine, the old man sighed. I'm sorry that you never got to meet your grandmother, but when you die, you die. And no amount of magic can change that. After you die, it's just nothing. Eclipsine rolled over in his bed pulling the covers over his head. Good night, Grandpa. Good night, Eclipsine. Skywind pat the boy on his back before leaving the room. Tactful as always, Dad. The old king nearly jumped out of his skin. It was Solarius. He had heard everything. I'm sorry. I've never been too good at this sort of thing. Skywind coughed into his palm and shuddered in pain. Okay, Dad. Okay, go get some rest. Solarius watched his father make his way down the stairs, then silently made his way over to Eclipsine's bed. The prince had already drifted off to sleep, but Solarius spoke anyway. I... I wish I had the courage to tell you this sooner, my boy. The warrior king sighed. I cannot promise that I will always be safe, and I certainly can't promise that one day I won't fall in battle. But I can promise you this, you are ten times the man that I am. Yours is the strongest spirit I've ever witnessed. And I know that when your time comes, you will be a much better king than I could ever hope to be. And most importantly, even though we're apart, I'll always be with you. Present day, Dad. Eclipsine felt as if a vice was crushing his chest as he looked down at his father's mangled corpse. The magical High Commission had removed the dagger from Solarius' chest 
and did their best to clean him up, but it wasn't much of an improvement. Jessica rested both of her hands on her nephew's shoulders, fighting back her own tears. Dad, wake up. Eclipsine shook his head in denial. He refused to believe that his father was dead. He started shaking his arm, hoping to provoke a reaction. Dad, wake up, Dad, wake up. He sobbed. Why you said, you said it would all be over after tonight. Why you, P promised. Jessica quietly led the commission out of the room, leaving the prince to mourn. Eclipsine sobbed into Solaria's chest, still begging him to wake up. No, I won't let it end like this. The prince held his scepter aloft and summoned the great book of magic. Almost instantly, Indexia materialized from the pages. The blue mage knew what her master was thinking, and for the first time in her existence, she was afraid. Eclipsine, wait! She begged. I know you're upset, but dash. I can do this! Eclipsine desperately flipped through the pages, searching for the right spell. At last, he found what he was looking for. Despite Indexia's protests, Eclipsine held the scepter above Solarius' body and whispered in ancient Muman. Soon enough, the spade-shaped marks on his cheeks glowed brightly as the dark magic began to stain his palms. Purple bolts of electricity surged from the black onyx atop of the scepter and into the deceased body. Without warning, Solarius' eyes snapped open and he gasped, painfully. Eclipsine stumbled backwards in shock as his father sat up on the cold table. The whites of the king's eyes had turned black, and his skin was still deathly pale from the poisoned dagger, but he was indeed alive again. Eclipsine? What? What's going on? I... I brought you back. The prince tearfully hugged his father. You're okay. I... I feel strange. I... The reanimated king looked down at the cuts and bruises, as well as the dark purple veins branching out over his skin. This is wrong. What? This isn't me. This is just your grief influencing your mind. Manifested through the dark magic. Th, that's not true. Yes, it is. The cadaver gently brushed the boy's cheek. Because I wouldn't be smart enough to realize it. But you are. Eclipsing, please let me rest. The prince buried his face into Solaria's chest, not wanting to admit the truth. But as he felt cold fingers stroking his hair, he knew what he had to do. He began reversing the spell. There you go, you'll be all right. Leaves from the vine, falling so slow, like fragile, tiny shells drifting in the foam. Eclipsing sobbed as he held his father's corpse in his arms, feeling it grow heavier and heavier. Little S soldier boy, he wept. Come marching home, brave soldier boy, comes marching home. Three days later, the magical High Commission had gathered all the other delegates in Castle's war room to finally read over Solarius' last will and testament. With no evidence of his father's decision to cancel the arranged marriage, and despite Jessica's objections, Eclipsine was forced to follow through. At midnight, the newly appointed king of Muni solemnly made his way through the forest of certain death to Glaugal's castle. Ever since he helped her find the idol, Eclipsine had assisted his girlfriend in finding other monsters like her, monsters who felt like outcasts even among their own kind. 
These monsters were invited to live with Globgal in her temple to create a better society for all the monsters in Muni. Monsters like Mina, a slime person, Ijiro, a rock creature, and Victor, a frogman, were all prime examples of the kind of people who shared Globgal's way of thinking. They were among the first monsters to welcome into the kingdom, even taking a liking to Eclipsine himself. And after them, many more monsters stepped forward to join the new society. As he made his way down the halls, Eclipsine heard music coming from the dining hall. Sure enough, everyone was dancing in celebration of the end of the Mumins-slash-monster war. The king went over to the bartender and ordered a simple cup of tea. A certain size shifter spotted him and immediately took notice of his sour demeanor. She handed her cup over to Mina, grew a few inches, snuck up behind him just as he took a few sips, and scooped him up into his arms. We did it! Globgal exclaimed, happily, trying to lighten her lover's mood. We've created a safe haven for monsters. Anyone who has been abused, or abandoned, or harmed will finally know sanctuary. Despite her efforts, Eclipsine wouldn't smile. Concerned, she set him back on the floor and leaned down to meet his eyes. What's the matter? At last, he looked up. He's gone! He sniffled, wiping away a stray tear. My father! He was killed in battle against a lizard man. Oh! The band stopped playing once they realized that their illustrious host was no longer dancing. Mina and Ijiro were close enough to overhear the conversation, so they were the first to flock to Globgal's side. Unfortunately, the size shifter was at a loss for words. Eclipsine, I... I'm sorry. The prince rolled his eyes and walked over to an isolated corner of the mess hall, followed by his friends. I'm being forced to marry Shastika. He added, We are to be wedded in a fortnight. Globgal was speechless. Eclipsine had always been open about how strongly he resented the Duchess of the Spiderbite Kingdom, making snide remarks and crude jokes about the pathetic woman. And yet, he was now willing to marry her without question. Until today, the Muman before her was always smiling and laughing as if he never had a care in the world. But now, she may as well have been speaking to an entirely different person. Can't your aunt get you out of this? Or your mother? Aunt Jessica doesn't have enough political influence to speak on behalf of my father, he replied, stirring his tea. And my mother, well, it's complicated. This is something I have to do. There's no other option. Globgal took her lover's hands into her own, blushing brightly as she looked into his eyes. Yes, there is, she whispered softly. You can run away from it all. Stay here. With us. Whoa, hang on, Globgal. Mina stepped in, shocked at her suggestion. I mean, we all love Eclipsine, but Dash. Yeah, I mean, do you really think it's a good idea to have him here 24-7? Ijiro added. Yes, he could bring problems with him. Victor agreed. Guys, Globgal snapped. I'm sorry, Eclipsine, they're just a little nervous. This is the first time I brought up the idea. I can't blame them, Eclipsine sneered bitterly. Why would they want the son of Solarius living amongst them? They all must be overjoyed now that he's gone. 
Hey! Mina snapped. In our defense, he did dedicate his whole life to you know kill us. Yeah, man. Aijiro agreed angrily. Sure, it's easy to defend the guy when he's your dad, but not everyone here has had the privilege of enjoying a silver spoon in our mouths since the day we were born. Okay, take it easy, you guys. Globgul tried to defuse the situation, peacefully. No. This dude wants to come in here and talk smack? I don't think so. Aijiro went on. Now, since Globgul spoke up for you when we first met, we were willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. And we learned to like you, man. But you come in here, blaming us for your dad's death, when most of us never even asked for this war? That ain't cool. We don't have castles, or treasuries, or magic scepters to keep us together. If we had just a fraction of what you were born into, maybe we'd be the ones complaining to you about all of our dead dads. Suddenly, the dining hall's doorway splintered into pieces, earning everyone's attention. A group of sinister beings had forced their way into the temple with deadly weapons and large appetites. The leader of the group, a bat monster, unsheathed his cutlass and pointed it at Globgul. I told you we'd be back, wretched Sal. Eclipsing leaned back in his seat as he gave Aijiro a sarcastic look. More examples of those who simply need a fraction of what I was born into. No. These guys are exceptions. The rock monster sighed. I thought I warned you never to come back here. Globgul snarled. Or do I need to teach you another lesson in humility? Oh, ho, ho, ho. I think you are the one who will learn that lesson tonight. The bat snapped his leathery fingers together, beckoning another monster into the room. The peaceful patrons of the temple shuddered in terror at the sight of the enormous behemoth. Yeah, that's right. We have a size shifter now, too. And now, we're gonna teach you a lesson about trying to act peacefully in our land. Kill them all. Gentlemen? Eclipsine politely raised his hand, which in turn earned him everyone's attention. The young human took a deep breath and measured every word carefully. Now, I haven't the foggiest idea as to what your problem with my friends is, but I have had a rather tiring and stressful day. My father is dead, I'm being forced to marry a foul woman that I do not love, and to top it all off, I will soon be forced to take on new responsibilities that I am nowhere near prepared for. So, I am hoping that we can try to just sit down and talk about our issues. Or at the very least, allow me to finish my tea before things get too violent. Listen, you little punk. The bat sneered. Normally, I'd eat new mans for less than that. But you happen to have caught yourself a break. Because right now, the only thing I hate more than new mans are these losers. So, I'll give you a ten-minute head start. That ought to be all the time, my boys, and I need to kill these pathetic weaklings. But after that, we're coming for you. Eclipsine looked back over at Globgul, who silently begged him to leave so that he wouldn't be harmed. Fair enough. Much to his friend's disgust, the king got up from his seat, tipped his hat to say farewell, and made his way towards the exit. But what they didn't know was that his meticulous mind was currently devising a plan to incapacitate the intruders. As long as he didn't do anything brash, he might get away with it. Sadly, it seemed that fate was not favorable to him this day. You better enjoy the quiet times while they last, 
one monster laughed. Muni's gonna learn the real pecking order around here. Now that we got rid of the psychopathic bastard you call the king. Eclipsine stopped just in front of the door. His eyes flared with righteous fury as he reached for the locks, trapping his targets in the room. Manners mocketh. Muman, he announced. The monster bosses looked back, again, confused by the boy's words. What they didn't notice was that the black crystal on the tip of his magic umbrella was beginning to glow with raw power. Normally, using dark magic out of anger would risk seriously harming his body if he didn't focus it through the scepter, and even then it would still have an adverse side effect on his arms. But he was willing to ignore the pain to protect his friends and defend his father's honor. Do you know what that means? he asked, rhetorically. Then let me teach you a lesson. All right, kid. You asked for it. The arrogant bat monster cracked his knuckles. I'm gonna take your manners and shove them up your dash. He was cut off by a brick smashing into his face. Eclipsine had used the handle of his umbrella to hook a stray block of stone and launch it at his opponent. Globgo, her friends, and even the hostile monsters were startled by the sudden assault. While the bat nursed his broken nose, Eclipsine confidently strutted towards his accomplices. So, are we going to just stand around? Or are we going to fight? Why, you little dash! Another monster rushed forward with a dagger. Ink submergence. Suddenly, the attacker sank into a bottomless puddle of darkness. Black Widow Calamity Cobweb. Three more monsters were caught in a giant spider web that teleported them far from the temple's grounds. The hostile size shifter brought his fist down, hoping to crush the Muman. Onyx Barrage. Instead, his entire arm was severed by a crystalline blade that appeared out of thin air. The remaining monsters rushed the king and the peaceful monsters, thinking they could catch them off guard. Obsidian Barricade In the blink of an eye, a transparent bubble of black energy surrounded Eclipsine and his friends. Once the attackers touched the barrier, they were whisked away in a tornado of shadows. All that remained of the intruders was a cowardly kappa, who bolted for the exit. Eclipsine smiled, wickedly, as he charged his scepter for a final spell. Midnight Shriek. With that, a powerful blast of concussive energy struck the kappa in the back, knocking him down for good. Without a word, the new king closed the umbrella, adjusted his tie, and turned to sit back at the table. Globgul's friends stared in awe as the Muman nonchalantly drank the rest of his tea. Babe, that was hot. Globgul blushed. Thanks for the save. Nothing's too much for my darling. Eclipsine winked flirtatiously. Damn, Clips! Mina exclaimed. That was wicked cool. Yeah. I mean, I always figured you were good at magic, but that was awesome. Ijiro blushed, embarrassed. I'm sorry for what I said earlier. Oh. The Muman waved his hand in dismissal. Water under the bridge, old sport. Just then, Victor gasped as an idea popped into his head. Eclipsine, my friend, with magic like that, you might be strong enough to take on the King of Darkness. Globgul and her friends recoiled in terror at the suggestion, but Eclipsine was confused. I don't understand. Who's the King of Darkness? 
Globgo gulped and shrank down to meet her lover's eyes. The king of darkness is like a god to all monsters. Even the lizards fear him. Oh my! Now, Eclipsine looked worried. He must be terrifying. Has anyone challenged him before? Hell no! Mina shook her head. He's too powerful. Too big. Too scary. Supposedly, he is immortal. He has ruled over all of monster kind almost as long as your family has ruled over the Mumans. Victor chewed on his claws nervously. He's probably the one who ordered Moore's Caput to fight your papa. Wait, what? Eclipsine spluttered in shock while Ijiro and Mina smacked Victor. Globgul, did you know that? I swear, I had no idea. The size shifter insisted. Where is this king of darkness? Uh, about four hundred kilometers west from this temple. Ijiro pointed in the wrong direction. And how fortified is his castle? He doesn't have one, Mina replied. He's so powerful and large, he just lives among the oldest and tallest trees in the forest of certain death. And how powerful is he? What are his feats? Well, no one's ever seen him that clearly before. But I'm pretty sure he only has two feet. Victor shrugged. What? And no, no. How strong is he? What has he done before that makes him so terrifying? Oh, well. I haven't really seen him do anything before. Victor admitted. Yeah, me either. Me either. Hmm. Eclipsine looked down at the dark veins spreading from his palms down his forearms. If was going to challenge anyone, he would have to improve his skill at handling dark magic. All right. I will continue to practice with Indexia and the Commission for a few years, at least until I can fully master the dark arts. Which means I'll need to stay with Indexia, which means I will have to go through with marrying Shastika. Globgul's heart sank. But her beloved took advantage of her current size to cup her cheek and kiss her lovingly. However, if you and I were to get married right now, my marriage to Shastika would be invalid. And once I defeat the King of Darkness and unite the monster and human societies, we can truly be together. You, you'd do that for me? Globgo cried, happily. Of course I would. Eclipsine turned to their friends. Would one of you do the honors? Oh, 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 oh. I'll do it. Mina volunteered eagerly. I do this for my brothers and sisters all the time. The pink slime monster ushered the two lovers towards the center of the temple so that the moonlight shining through the stained glass window brilliantly illuminated the two lovers. Do either of you have anything to declare? Mina asked. Yes. Globgul took a deep breath before laughing nervously. This feels kind of silly. I mean, we've known each other for seven years. And five months. Eclipsine added. Right. Well, when we first met in the forest of certain death, I told you that I always wanted a home and someone to share it with. I used to blame my parents' abandonment as the reason why I was so hostile to everyone I met, but I see that it was just because I was so bitter about my past. She wiped away her tears and leaned closer to the boy. But then I met this brave if not annoying human who didn't see me as just some scary monster. He taught me that it was okay to let down my walls and open up to whatever the future may bring.
Without his help, I never would have found the idol and gotten this amazing temple from the Kappas. And I certainly never would have found out that I'm capable of love, because I love you, Eclipse seen Dragonfly. There was a brief moment of silence as the new king of Muni dabbed his eyes with a handkerchief. After a deep breath, it was his turn. Well, despite what many often believe, my life has not been pristine. I have been looked down upon by my future delegates, the commission, and even the peasants. But when you look at me, Globdal, you see me for the man I wish to be, someone who wants to build more bridges and fewer walls. Of all the souls I have ever encountered in this hostile world, it was yours that shone brightest of all. I am lucky enough to even be your friend. But now I humbly ask you to take me as your lawfully wedded husband. In sickness and in health, for better or worse, until death do we part, and even beyond that. Mina struggling against her urge to burst into tears of joy. Then, by the powers vested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Later that night, Eclipsine silently crept back into the building as a married young man. But as happy as he was, his heart ached at the sight of his father's tapestry. Mournfully, he reached out to brush the fabric, as if he could hold Solaria's hand. And then, he started to speak. I, I know that you said you changed your will when you returned, Dad. And I wish it didn't have to be this way. But that girl I mentioned to you before? I went ahead and married her tonight. I know I said you wouldn't approve of her, but after a short while, I think you would have really liked her. The king paused for a moment as if the tapestry were about to reply. Eventually, he started again. She's perfect in every way. She's smart, and fun, and kind, and beautiful. Her eyes just sparkle like four pieces of citron, and when she smiles she puts all other women to shame. And she does this adorable thing with her tail where she plays with it when she gets flustered. Eclipsing laughed to himself imagining the look on his father's face if he ever told him that he was in love with a monster. Unfortunately, the ache in his heart returned with a spiteful vengeance. He was ashamed, thinking that the last moment he sent with the warrior king was a petty argument. If only he had known what would have happened. I think, I think that with her help, I can bring peace between Nyamans and monsters. I only wish that you could be here to see it. I'm not even sure that I can be king without you. And even though we're apart, I'll always be with you. Eclipsine's ears perked up. The faint whisper startled him at first, but he soon recognized the familiar sound. Dad? His voice cracked. I'll always be with you. It sounded as if the voice was coming from upstairs. Curiously, he followed the voice up the steps past the other tapestries of previous kings and up into his bedroom. I'll always be with you. Eclipsine walked over to his nightstand, where he left his grandmother's bracelet and a folded piece of paper. The voice had gone quiet, so the king curiously shook the piece of paper, as if to prompt the voice to come again. But upon closer inspection, he realized that it was the same drawing that he had made for his father when he was much younger. Hmm. It's a rather puzzling sensation, he mused, his gaze shifting between the bracelet and his drawing. But it's almost as if you never left me. But that can't be, can it? 
Or can it? Eclipsing unfolded the crude artwork he had created years ago. According to his mother, the king had carried it around with him throughout the war. A stray tear fell free from the boy's cheek and onto the paper. Vivid memories of Solaria's soft smile and reassuring hug warmed Eclipsine's heart. Perhaps you are here, he whispered to himself. I may have lost several opportunities to be with you in the future, but no one can take away the few treasured memories we shared. So, even though you're gone, we really are still together? Ha, huh, then perhaps Grandpa was mistaken all along. The young king laid down on his bed, hugging the drawing and bracelet close to his chest. Perhaps the bond of a father and his son is not measured by the distance between them, but by the love they shared. Although he was still crying, Eclipsing smiled as he slowly dozed off. How very nice for us. Chapter 4 The Greater Evil Globgul Dragonfly was awakened by the warm rays of sunlight creeping through her window. A soft smile spread over her lips as she found herself face to face with the Muman king who had won her heart. Eclipsine shifted for a moment before finally opening his eyes. Globgul stretched her neck forward to give him a gentle peck on his lips. Three years had passed since Eclipsine took the throne of Muni and secretly married his love, Globgul. More often than not, the young Muman found himself overwhelmed with the kingdom's problems. Everywhere he turned, there was a debacle needing his attention. Jessica and the commission helped as much as they could, but they insisted that he learn how to govern the kingdom on his own. In addition to that, there was still the frustrating fact that more than half of his people feared him as their king. However, he always managed to find time to visit his beloved wife. Of course, their relationship wasn't perfect, what with the two of them being separated most of the time, and like most couples, they often engaged in petty squabbles. But despite everything, they stuck together through thick and thin. Good morning, darling. He yawned happily, sliding out from under the covers. You didn't leave any noticeable marks this time, did you? Uh, no, not really. She lied, gazing at the scratches in between her husband's shoulder blades. Stay in bed for a minute. Eclipsing tied up his robe, making his way to the door. I'll have breakfast ready in a bit. Whatever you say, she purred. Still enjoying the afterglow of the previous evening, Globgul wondered what she did to deserve such a loving companion. After a few moments of massaging her still tender areas, the size shifter realized she had yet to grow back to a more comfortable size. With her fingers intertwined, she stretched her hands high above her head and focused on stretching her muscles to increase their mass. But when she opened her eyes again, nothing had happened. What the? Shaking her head, she got down on her hands and knees and stretched as hard as she could, but still nothing. Why can't I? Suddenly, a faint memory crept into her mind. Once when she was a child, she overheard two other size shifters talking about a condition that prevented them from altering their size for a long period of time. With wide eyes and a nervous gulp, she slowly moved her hand over her stomach. Oh! Meanwhile, in the kitchen, a certain king was happily making breakfast for his beloved wife and playing a guitar he fashioned out of an animal's skeleton. Checking his pocket watch, he saw that he only had an hour before he needed to return to the castle. But until then, he was free.
and this freedom was thanks, in part, to the secrecy his mother provided. Shortly after Eclipsine's public marriage to Shastika Spiderbite, he accidentally let it slip to the old sea captain that he had found true love on his own. Without mentioning her identity as a monster, the king explained how he truly loved Globgul and that he would not have been happy without her in his life. Alphys, wanting her child to be happy, promised to keep his secret and cover for him whenever he wanted to visit Globgul. In exchange for a chance to meet her herself, one day. Eclipsine stopped reminiscing once he realized the food was ready. He set his makeshift instrument against the wall and grabbed his spatula to scoop up the omelets. He was just setting the plates down on the table and lighting a pair of candles when he noticed Globdal tiptoeing towards the door. Where are you going? Uh, nothing. That smells delicious. She screamed, trying to smile. Well, don't just stand there with your tummy rumbling. Come on over and dig in. The Muman king happily pulled her chair out for her and then took his seat across from her. However, he was a bit concerned when she didn't seem interested in talking to him. He was about to ask if she was feeling well before something caught his eye. Curiously, Eclipsine rested his hand over his head, then moved it over Globgul's. She was still the same height as him. W, what are you doing? She giggled nervously. Usually after our, ahem, private time is over, you grow a few more feet to remind me that you're the dominant one in our relationship. But so far since last night, you haven't even grown an inch. Why? Globgul swallowed hard. She was certain that he wouldn't notice. Beads of sweat soaked her fur as she cleared her throat. She needed to say something. Um, well, I wanted it to be a surprise. Oh, I like surprises. Eclipsine leaned forward, resting his chin on his hands. What is it? Um, I, uh, well, I need to stay this size, because, um, I, uh, Globgul truly wanted to tell her husband about her morning discovery. But as she looked into his innocent, magenta irises and felt the warmth of his loving smile, she lost all confidence. I'm practicing. Practicing? For what? Well, Mina's been helping me with a human disguise so that I can meet your mother. Really? Eclipsine's eyes sparkled with delight. That is wonderful. Oh, I always hoped you'd be willing to try something like this. Oh, there's so much to prepare. I'll have to tell her your favorite type of tea and about your vegetarian substitutes, and... The young king ceased his prattling as he noticed Globgul's nervous expression. He smiled softly and held her hands. Oh, darling. I know this must seem a bit demeaning to you, but I promise this will only be temporary. We will tell my mother the truth as soon as we're certain that she won't try to kill you. That's comforting. Globgul smiled weakly. Eclipsine checked his watch again, sighing in disappointment. Well, I must dash. We'll talk more about this later. I'm rather interested in seeing how you plan to disguise yourself. With a final kiss farewell, the Newman king departed back towards his kingdom. Once he was gone, Globdal sighed in frustration, rubbing her stomach. How am I gonna tell him? She pondered to herself. Unfortunately, she was so preoccupied with her current problem 
she didn't notice the mysterious figures hiding in the shadows. Meanwhile, Eclipsine adjusted his suit and tie as he exited the forest of certain death. On his way to the castle, he spotted a group of teenagers bullying a little. Girl. With a wave of the scepter and a sly smirk, Eclipsine discreetly cast a spell on the cruel boys. Suddenly, they fell to the ground, screaming about spiders and snakes that weren't there. The girl got back on her feet and looked to see her monarch tipping his hat to her. At last, he reached the main entrance to the castle and headed towards his office. Unfortunately, as he made his way down the grand hallway, he could hear a shrill, obnoxious voice growing louder. Shastika, it's been four hours. Jessica groaned. You need to wear a ball gown for the Lucidus ball. Then quit wasting my time with these tasteless designs, Jessica. Shastika shouted rudely. I wouldn't be caught dead in any of these dresses you've shown me. You'd have to be dead for eight years just to fit into them. Eclipsine chuckled as he passed the shrewd queen. Jessica snorted at her nephew's remark, but Shastika was not amused. Are you implying that I'm overweight? Oh, no, 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 no. The king shook his head, smirking. You're under tall. Fine. What do you think I'd look good in, dear husband? A sealed mausoleum. Eclipsine quipped a final time and headed up to his room. His smile only grew wider as he listened to the bitter woman rant and rave, furiously. By the time he reached his office, the spell book suddenly opened up, and its guardian popped out from in between the pages. Greetings, my lord. Indexia bowed. I need to speak with you. Can it wait? Eclipsine set his scepter aside and prepared to tackle the mountain of paperwork. With a heavy sigh, he dipped his feather pen in the jar of ink and began scribbling his signature over the numerous important bills. I've got to complete these papers before my meeting with the delegates. I'm sorry, Eclipsine. Indexia hovered in front of her master. But this concerns your father. Eclipsine's hand froze in place as his eyes darted towards his teacher. Go on. Well, I was looking over the dagger used to kill Solarius, and I discovered something interesting. The blue mage conjured up a small vial filled with a sickly green, viscous liquid. The substance that was coating the dagger wasn't poison, it was venom. Is there a difference? Yes, actually. Poison comes from plants, venom comes from animals, she explained. This one in particular appears to belong to a genus of spiders. But what's interesting is that this type of venom isn't found in any spiders that are indigenous to the forest of certain death. What are you saying? Someone a Mewman sold the monsters the venom. Eclipsine could hardly believe his ears. Ever since the beginning of his campaign against the monster hordes, Solarius was one of the most popular kings among the people. Everyone adored him for the sense of security he provided. So why? Would someone want to kill him? The new king wondered. Who could gain from his demise? Just as he asked himself that, his mind automatically thought of a single person. Of course, he growled, internally kicking himself. How could I have been so blind? My lord? Indexia followed her master down the hall as he charged his scepter with dark magic. 
Eclipsine marched straight towards the conference room where a trade deal was currently going on between the Jaggy Mountains, the Water Folk, and the Spider Bites. Alphys and Milo were also present to provide security, so they had no reason to stop Eclipsine as he barged in. Well, look who has finally graced us with his presence. Duke Mercury of the Jaggy Mountains snorted. Eclipsine ignored the comment and aimed his umbrella at Warner Spiderbite, summoning a hand of purple magic to lift the politician into the air. The other delegates and the magical High Commission gasped in horror at their ruler's actions, but Eclipsine couldn't have cared less. Just as his grip on the scepter grew tighter, so did the magical hands grip around Warner's neck. My stump boy! Milo gasped. What the H-E double hockey sticks do you think you're doing? Baron Warner Spiderbite! Eclipsine declared angrily. You are hereby under arrest for plotting the assassination of King Solarius Dragonfly. W what? Warner spluttered. What are you babbling about? I did no such thing. You're lying! The magic wielder bellowed as he further tightened his grip on the Baron. Eclipsine, stop! Jessica grabbed the scepter, trying to take it from the young king. What is the meaning of this? He's guilty! Eclipsine tugged the umbrella out of his aunt's grip before pulling the vial out from his coat pocket. This venom, the venom that killed my father, comes from spiders. Warner sold the venom to the monsters so that my father would die and I would be forced to marry Shastika. Guards! Commission! Arrest the traitor at once. Eclipse scene, Lekmat bleated. You cannot just barge in here and make baseless accusations like this. Baseless accusations? Eclipse scene spluttered in fury. The venom comes from spiders. My aunt has spent years stockpiling spider venom to try and find a cure. Warner could have gained access to her supply and bartered with the monsters to dash. That is speculation. Hecapo cut in. You can't prove it with just a bottle of venom. Now, I suggest you take a moment to calm down, Dash. You think I'm insane? Eclipsine spat bitterly. Why am I not surprised? After all, you never trusted me in the past. Why should it be different now? With all due respect, Your Majesty, Omnitraxis held up her hand to calm the king. It's not a matter of whether or not we trust you. It's just that without substantial evidence it's simply your word against his. That bastard has been trying to trick my father from the very beginning. The Dark King bellowed, frightening everyone. He had a motive. He convinced my father to marry me off to his bitch of a daughter just so he could enter the royal family. He had my father killed just so he could have more political power. He is guilty. I demand justice. Justice, eh? Warner chuckled, as he still dangled in the air. Rather hypocritical attitude if you asked me. What with your little secret, and all? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, I think you know. Warner smiled mockingly. Did you really think I wouldn't notice all the times you've been sneaking away from the kingdom? Granted, I had to hear of this behavior from my daughter first, but I soon understood what she was talking about. Eclipsine? Jessica held her hands over her heart. What does he mean? Yes. 
Bartholomew Barnacles of the Water Folk agreed. Come to think of it, I've noticed him going off on his own quite frequently as well. Eclipsine shared a concerned glance with his mother as the delegates flocked to Warner's side. The magical High Commission eventually freed the Baron from Eclipsine's creation and helped him to his feet. Rombili was the first to speak up. Your Majesty, what is he talking about? If you won't tell them, I will. Warner Spiderbite had now turned the entire room against the young king. Eclipsine didn't know what to do. He simply stood in the center of the room, listening to his subjects demanding whatever secret the Baron was talking about. He felt like a frightened animal cornered by predators. At last, the wicked Spiderbite spoke up. Very well. Ladies and gentlemen of Muni, lend me your ears. Stop it! Eclipsine shouted. Your king, the man sworn to protect you, Dash. I said stop it. Has been having a clandestine affair with a monster. A collective gasp filled the room as all eyes landed on the king. But Eclipsine merely crossed his arms, trying to keep calm. Well, that's his word against mine. Actually, it's its word against yours. At the snap of the baron's fingers, ten spider-bite soldiers barged into the room. The delegates screamed in horror at the sight of a size-shifter, wrapped in chains and forced to the ground. The monster snarled and snapped at the mewmans in a vain attempt to free herself. Warner smiled at the sight of Eclipsine looking so terrified. My spies have been following you into the forest of certain death for months. And now your monster will pay for your mistakes. The commission took over from the spider-bite guards at that point. Omnitraxis held Globgul in place, while Lekmat and Rombili kept Eclipsine away from her. The king's mind was racing. He was trying to think of how this could have happened. Why hasn't she grown bigger? He thought. Why is she letting them do this? But it wasn't until Hecapo prepared to stab his beloved with a pair of dimensional scissors that his critical thinking brain took over. Why am I letting this happen? Thinking quickly, Eclipsine kicked a torch from the wall onto the floor and increased its temperature and intensity with a dark enchantment, earning everyone's attention. The king held the scepter over the fire as his gaze locked onto the magical High Commission. Release her, he ordered. Now! Or what? Hecapo scoffed. Or I'll destroy the scepter. You wouldn't dare, Omnitraxis declared. That scepter has been in your family for twenty-nine generations. You wouldn't throw all of that away for the sake of a filthy monster. Oh, wouldn't I? Eclipsine loosened his grip just enough for the magic umbrella to slip down. Watching the commission jump in fright brought a confident smile to his lips. Time to negotiate. Now! Back away from her! All of you! Every step you take towards the wall is a step I take away from the pyre. Just as he hoped, the commission obeyed. Soon enough, the king was the only one close enough to touch Globgul. Rombili tried to rush him, but a swift foe-throwing motion from Eclipsine quickly persuaded her to keep her back to the wall. The room fell deathly silent as the king lowered himself, leaning over to his wife's ear. Listen to me very carefully, he whispered to the size shifter through clenched teeth. I'm not sure how long I can keep them like this. Follow me into the dungeon if you want to live. 
follow you into the dungeon if I want to live? How do you figure that? She whispered back angrily. Because there is a secret passage down there that you can use to escape. Eclipsine tried to keep his voice down, but it was becoming apparent that the commission was growing restless. You're just going to have to trust me, Dash. They're up to something, Spiderbite shouted. Enough of this. Stop him. Eclipsine barely had enough time to react before Globgo finally broke free from her restraints. The scepter slipped out of his grasp and rolled dangerously close to the purple flames. Instinctively, he reached out to grab it, but tripped over Globgo's tail. The size shifter was out of control, violently slashing and clawing at the Muman guards. All right, I've had enough of this. Hecapo took out a pair of dimensional scissors and aimed it at the monster. Globgul, look out! Eclipsine abandoned his pursuit of the scepter and jumped in front of his lover. A.I.E. Jessica screamed in horror. Eclipsine choked and gagged as his eyes wandered down to the source of his sudden pain, a pair of dimensional scissors piercing his chest. Warm streams of red trickled down his body and pooled onto the floor. The king fell to his knees as his world went dark. Chapter 5 Making Choices Globdal's eyes widened in pure terror as her love fell to the floor. With a loud, primal shriek, the size shifter broke her chains and lashed out at her abductors. While she was busy with the spider bite guards and Milo Loveberry, Alphys rushed to the king's aid. Jessica tried to help her friend, but a sudden ache in her chest forced her to her knees as a sharp pain ran up her arm. Oh shit! Oh shit! Rombili was on the verge of a breakdown. Hecapo, what did you do? I don't know. The blacksmith grabbed his horns, nervously. I was aiming for the monster. Not him. Omnitraxus, don't just stand there. Get it. The Guardian of Time and Space tackled the rampaging monster to keep her pinned. Globgul snapped her jaws and struggled with all her might, but the nigh-omnipotent woman was too much for her. Give it up, you filthy beast! Omnitraxus ordered. You're not getting away! Meanwhile, Alphys had undone her ascot and put pressure on her son's wound. She didn't dare try to remove the scissors, lest she risk worsening the wound. Jessica, can you give me a hand here? Jessica? The sea captain turned to see the prime minister was now on the ground, clutching her chest. Startled, Alfie stood up. Jessica? What's wrong? And my heart. Jessica muttered between gasps. Regaining consciousness, Eclipsine saw his wife in the thrall of Omnitraxis and forced himself onto his elbows. Using his teeth, he pulled the glove off of his right and inaimed his palm, charging up a lethal spell. Cosmic Cannon! A wide beam of dark magic struck Omnitraxis in the head, melting the skin from her skull. Ah! My face! My face! Globgul used the distraction to her advantage and rushed to Eclipsine's side. Scooping him into her arms, she bolted for the nearest exit, trying to find a way out of the castle. Thankfully, her love kept himself awake long enough to direct her through the halls. Eventually, they made it to the dungeon. Okay, we're here. Now what? 
she asked anxiously. Coughing and spluttering, Eclipsine turned his attention to a painting of Alfie's. See, Captain, permission to come aboard. Much to Globgill's surprise, the painting winked at them and opened up to reveal a hidden passage. With the last of his strength, the king smiled at his wife. Don't double you worry. I'm not going to say I told you so. Eclipsine? Globgill gently shook her beloved as she ran through the passage. No! Stay awake, Eclipsine! Less than an hour later, Globgill had escaped from the kingdom, passed through the forest of certain death, and back to her temple. Eclipsine's condition hadn't improved during the trip, and the size shifter worried this was the end. After violently kicking down the door to the main entrance, she called out to anyone who was still in her castle for help. Her friends gathered around as she laid her husband down on the floor. What happened? Mina gasped. Somebody get help. Globgill sobbed. Please. Somebody do something. I don't know what to do. Victor stammered. No one here is a doctor. Ahem. Globgill and the other monsters bolted upright in surprise. There standing before them so confidently was Madame Indexia of Contents. Globgill wiped the tears from her eyes and bared her fangs. Have you people no shame? She hissed. Have you come to finish the job? Have you? Fear not, young Globgill. With her hands behind her back, the minuscule mage hovered closer to the huddled group. I come not to harm, but to offer help. Globgill snorted. As if I'd believe that. Your magical high commission just tried to kill me in Eclipsine. Now that you know he and I have been wed, why wouldn't you want to kill us? Because, my dear, my only purpose in life is to serve the royal family, not the commission. Indexia promised. Furthermore, of all the kings I've ever known, Eclipsine has been my favorite. He has been a good student, and an even greater ruler and I shall not allow him to suffer the indignity of perishing by those narrow-minded bigots he was forced to work beside. The size shifter looked to her friends, wondering what they thought of the situation. After a few unsure shrugs and skeptical looks, her eyes wandered back down to her beloved husband. Eclipsine's condition was getting worse with every passing second, and there was nothing she could do about it. Her only option was to trust Indexia. Okay, she choked out. Do it. Save him, please. Indexia moved her left arm out from behind her back, revealing the pair of dimensional scissors that had harmed Eclipsine. It is already done, she replied calmly. Globgill immediately pivoted on her heels to find Eclipsine's wound had miraculously disappeared. But as she knelt down to cradle him in her arms, his heartbeat was still too fast and too weak. It didn't work, she cried. Why isn't he better? Indexia placed her palm against her king's wrist and the jewel in her forehead shone as she probed the young man's mind. I could only heal his physical wounds, she explained. But his spirit is weak and growing weaker. He has been betrayed by his own kingdom. He feels unable to go on. If you want him to live, you must give him a reason to live. Hearing this, Globgill leaned down to whisper into Eclipsine's ear. Listen to me, she sobbed, 
holding him closer. Get up, get up. You have to get up, you obnoxious, prattling little mewman, because you're gonna be a father. At the mere utterance of those words, Eclipsine's heartbeat grew steadier. Noticing this, Globko gave him a soft peck on his lips, which in turn made the young man's eyes flutter open. He looked up at his wife with a startled yet affectionate gaze. Globgol and Indexia helped him up, and backed away to give him space. After a brief moment to catch his breath, Eclipsine approached his love. I become father? he asked shakily. Without speaking, Globgol grabbed his hand and placed it on her belly. Despite it being too early for any activity, Eclipsine's dark magic allowed him to sense the growing life within her womb. The king's lips curved upwards as tears of joy ran down his glowing cheeks. He cupped Globgul's face and gave her a loving kiss. Thank you, my queen, he whispered happily. Suddenly, the two lovers heard a collection of startled gasps and terrified screams surrounding the main entrance. A few braver monsters attempted to fight the intruder, but she fired her pistol into the ceiling to drive them back. Eclipsine and Globgul waited through the crowd to see what all the commotion was about only to find a familiar green-haired naval officer standing before them. So, it is true. Alfie's holstered her firearm and gazed into her son's eyes. I always wondered why you were so particularly secretive about the woman who stole your heart, Eclipsine, but now I know why. Mother! Eclipsine's mouth went dry. I... I didn't want you to find out like this, but... Globgul is my wife and I love her. As he held the size shifter's hand for support, he noticed that his mother's gaze showed no signs of disgust or judgment. Is, is Aunt Jessica here, too? He wondered aloud. She deserves to know the truth. Eclipsine, something happened after you escaped, um... Alfie's tried to find the right words. Seeing you hurt like that, she had a heart attack. She didn't make it. Eclipsine's heart sank a terrible dread plaguing his conscience. Although she wasn't as radical as her younger brother, it was no secret that Jessica shared his hatred of monsters for what they had done to her mother. Despite what his mother told him, Eclipsine couldn't help but think that his aunt's demise was more than just a simple heart attack. When she saw me with Globgul, she died of a broken heart, he thought sadly. The young king fell to his knees, crying. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Alfie's couldn't bear to see her son like this, and knelt down to hug him. What the hell do you have to be sorry about? She whispered tearfully. You fell in love. There's no shame in that. I am so proud of you. And Solarius would have been, too. The mention of his father's name forced Eclipsing to choke and sob even harder, wrapping his arms around his mother. It's okay, let it out, she offered. Once her son finally calmed down, however, Alphys released her hold on the king and marched towards his monster wife. By the time she reached Globgul, the size shifter was shivering from anxiety. The room fell deathly quiet for what felt like an eternity, but the sea captain took a deep breath and uttered a simple question. Do you love him? Globgul was baffled. I beg your pardon? Well, I obviously can't control him. He's free to make his own decisions in life. 
Alfis crossed her arms over her chest. But even so, I am his mother and I want him to be happy. So, I repeat, do you love him? The size shifter trembled under Alfie's gaze. Somehow, she felt that even if she could increase her size at that moment, the sea captain would still frighten her to the core. But as she looked back at Eclipsine, she felt a bit more confident. Ma'am, she said at last, I love him more than life itself. Alfie softened her gaze and sighed. Then will you promise to take care of him? Of course, ma'am. Then you have my blessing. With that said, Alfie's turned back to her son and gave him a kiss on the forehead. Goodbye, Eclipsine. Stay safe. Where are you going? He asked. Well, if the MHC finds me, they'll undoubtedly try to use me to get to you. She reasoned. I'll sneak back to the docks later tonight and get to my ship. There are plenty of forgotten islands in the sea that used to serve as Solarian military camps. Will I ever see you again? Maybe someday. She stroked her boy's cheek with an affectionate smile. But until we see each other again, never forget how much I love you, my boy. With a final hug goodbye, Eclipsine watched his mother depart into the dark forest. One week had passed and the former monarch had thought long and hard about how to fix the current situation with Muni. He had been outed to the public as a monster sympathizer, the scepter had been left behind during their escape, many monsters still did not trust him, and he now had a child on the way with no method of supporting them or his wife. Luckily, his mind eventually conjured up a plan to solve all of his problems. If he could defeat the King of Darkness and take the throne, he would prove himself to the entire monster nation and earn their respect. With that out of the way, he would have a government at his side once again, and enough backbone to confront the other human kingdoms to finally bridge the gap between the two conflicting societies. The only problem was the lack of his scepter. He could still channel dark magic through his hands, but at the risk of causing permanent damage to his entire physiology. And yet, there seemed to be no alternative. Led by his closest friends and a handful of other witnesses, Eclipsine followed them into the deepest and darkest corner of the forest of certain death, armed with a sword and shield. The further they went, the more the thick fog began to dim the light from the torches. At last, the party came upon an old wooden bridge that crossed a murky river. Hanging from a dead willow was a sign that read, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. This is as far as we go, Eclipsine. Victor patted his friend's shoulder for comfort. We watch over Globgul until you return, but the custom states you must challenge the King of Darkness alone. Eclipsine nodded, kissed his wife, drew his sword, and slowly crossed the bridge. Once he reached the other side, his party was completely out of sight and he was all alone. Who are you? Eclipsine nearly fell over from shock but stood his ground. With the fog so thick, all he could see was a dark silhouette as high as the trees surrounding him. I am Eclipsine Dragonfly, he said at last. Former king of Muni, friend of monsters, I have come to challenge you for the right to lead all monsters. You are a fool, the voice bellowed. I am the destroyer of light. I am he who has ruled the monsters for as long as time has existed. Leave now, 
or face the same fate as your accursed father. Despite the crippling fear the gigantic monster instilled in him, Eclipsine held his ground. Summoning a purple flame from his palm, he channeled it through his sword. Do not underestimate my resolve, he shouted, and swung his sword at his opponent. The purple flame sliced through the tall monster's arm. Eclipsine just barely managed to move out of the way before the limb crashed beside him. However, as he stood back up, he saw that it wasn't an arm, but a rotted tree branch. What? Uh, H, how dare you strike me, Newman? The voice spoke up again. With his nerves now a bit more at ease, Eclipsine noticed that the voice seemed to be coming from the monster's feet. Leave now before you truly anger me. Eclipsine ignored the warning and stepped closer to his opponent. To his surprise, the king of monsters' body was nothing more than an old, dead oak tree. The green-haired Newman chuckled and continued to search for the source of the voice. After brushing through the leaves and sticks he found a small insected monster hiding behind a makeshift megaphone and plucked it off the ground by its wings. So, you're the mighty king of darkness, eh? The former monarch of Muni could hardly stifle a laugh as he pinched the insect in his fingers. Now, normally I am a bit squeamish about taking another's life, he said darkly. However, according to my friends, you had a hand in my father's demise. Pee please, the insect whimpered. W what happened to your father was nothing personal. Have mercy. Take the title. Just let me go, and you'll never see me again. Hmm. Eclipsine smiled coyly as his fingers tightened around the pathetic bug. Ultimately, his pity for the small being won out. Very well, you're free to go for now. But if I ever see you again, I will avenge my father. Oh, thank you. The bug cried in relief. Thank you, thank you. As he flicked the bug into the wind, Eclipsine happily released a breath of relief. Now, as the newly appointed king of darkness, he proudly strutted back across the bridge to his wife and friends. He, he did it! Ijiro cheered. Eclipsine killed the king of darkness. Actually, I didn't kill anyone. Eclipsine corrected. You see, I dash. He's still alive! Mina shrieked. You wounded the king and walked away? The end is near. He will seek revenge. Victor panicked. No, guys, it's okay. Eclipsine tried to calm his friends down. It's all right. It's just a tree. Come again? Mina asked skeptically. The king of darkness isn't real. He clarified. It's just a giant dead tree. Some kind of bug monster was pretending to be a giant to trick you all into following his orders. And where is this bug monster? Ijiro questioned. Oh, I sent him away, he replied. We'll never see him again. The others mumbled to each other, quietly. It was evident that they did not believe him, so Eclipsine decided to show them he was telling the truth. Globgul, come with me. His wife shook her head, but he stepped forward to reach for her hand. Globgul, do you trust me? What? she asked. Do you trust me? he repeated calmly. Globgul shuddered at the thought of directly confronting the King of Darkness, 
fearing for both herself and her unborn child. However, her eyes wandered down to the scar on Eclipsine's chest. The scar that might not have been there if she had trusted him to lead her to safety. At last, she took a deep breath and squeezed Eclipsine's hand. Okay. I trust you. With that, Eclipsine led his wife over the bridge and to the tree. See? I told you. But as he looked back, he saw Globgul had let go of his hand and was hiding behind a rock. She was still afraid. All right, watch this. Eclipsine picked up a branch, and with all his strength, slammed it against the base of the tree. Globgul jumped back in fright as her husband proceeded to cup both hands around his mouth. Hey, Splinterhead! Your mother was turned into a rocking chair! You rotting pile off worm infested termite food! What are you doing? Globgul half whispered slash half shouted. Are you crazy? But Eclipsine simply crossed his arms as he continued looking up at the massive dead oak. After a few minutes of silence, he turned back to his wife. Would a malevolent monster king let me say that? Seeing the logic in her husband's statement, Globgul felt her fears begin to fade. Against her better judgment, the size shifter moved out from behind her hiding spot and knocked her knuckles against the old tree. I don't believe it. She scoffed, indignantly. This whole time, our entire society has been afraid of a tree? Oh, don't fret, darling. Eclipsine giggled. My society is afraid of just a stump. Taking out his sword, he charged it with another dark enchantment and sliced off the very top of the tree. Soon enough, Globgul had convinced the others to cross the bridge and witness the façade for themselves. Grateful to him for opening their eyes, the monsters agreed to appoint Eclipsine as the new King of Darkness. Globgul lifted the crown and tried to place it over his head, but it was too big and slid over his whole body before she took it back off. After a brief, awkward silence, Eclipsine broke off a limb and stuck it into his hat. Thankfully, that was good enough for the other monsters as they lifted him into the air. All hail, Eclipsine! The King of Darkness! Months later, Eclipsine and Globgul had been ruling over the monsters in peace and harmony. The couple decided that they would wait until after their child's birth to reach out to Muni again. Eclipsine was so excited to become a father, he had spent most of his free time setting up a nursery and crafting toys for his child. Globgul loved watching her husband fuss over her and their unborn child. After they learned from Indexia that they would be having a boy, Eclipsine begged his beloved for the right to choose a name. She agreed under the condition that he would tell it to her first. After a few bad ideas and disagreements, the couple finally settled on naming the boy. Meteoro. Presently, the king and queen of darkness were relaxing in their private quarters, ready to turn in for the evening. As the magic mirror filled the air with a soft melody, Globgul massaged her swollen stomach as she rested in her husband's lap. The king, himself, could only smile with amusement, massaging Globgul's tail in an attempt to help her unwind. MMM, I could get used to you being this size all the time. Eclipsine purred as he nuzzled Globgul's neck. Don't, she replied bluntly. The minute after I give birth to your half muman spawn, I'm growing at least three times bigger. I'm sorry, 
he replied, unnerved by her tone. Is something wrong? Globville didn't answer right away. I, I'm scared, Clips, she whimpered. What if, what if I'm not ready to be a mother? What if I turn out just like my parents? Darling, Eclipse moved to where he was sitting right in front of his wife. When you look at me, do you see my father? Globgill tilted her head and squinted. Well, actually, aside from the goatee and cheek marks, you look a lot like your mom. Eclipse snorted. Yeah. For some reason, firstborn children of the Mumin hierarchy tend to resemble their mothers more than their fathers. But I digress. My point is, I would never pretend to think that my father had never done anything regretful, but I like to believe that his love for me brought out the best in him. If not, he'd just be a madman who couldn't let go of the past. Now, when you told me that your parents abandoned you, I felt so sorry for you. But after I aided you in retrieving that idol and obtaining this temple, you still did not eat me as you had so often threatened to. And I know that that is because my love changed you as well. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships. Love or the lack of it. Globgill choked back a sob, tears soaking her fur. Do you really believe that? Honestly, I believe that the greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. He smiled affectionately. Globgill couldn't contain herself anymore. She gripped the collar of his shirt and pulled him into a loving kiss. Suddenly, her eyes snapped open and she broke the kiss to jump to her feet. What? The King of Darkness jumped to her side, visibly concerned. What is it? What's wrong? He, he moved. Globgill's eyes watered with joy. I felt him move inside me. What? Really? Eclipsine let his wife guide his hand to her swollen belly. Sure enough, he felt the unborn child pressing against her womb, as if he were reacting to his parents' display of affection. The King of Darkness smiled brighter than ever before and wrapped his arms around Globgill. He moved! He cried happily. Chapter 6 The End of an Era Dragonfly Castle, Muni With his ankles and wrists chained together, Eclipsine was dragged into a large courtroom. Delegates from every kingdom in Muni were shouting at him and yelling profanities. The magical high commission forced him into the center of the room and took their place with the jury. Earlier that morning, the Spider-Bite Kingdom had led an infiltration mission into Eclipsine's temple, led by Hecapo and Rombuli. The soldiers showed no mercy in their attack, slaughtering the monsters who Eclipsine had come to know as his second family. The King of Darkness did his best to protect his son, but without the scepter he was at the end of his rope with dark magic. Hecapo had easily overpowered him, knocked him unconscious, and stole the hybrid infant. Globgul had grown as large as she could as quickly as she could, but it was too late. Rombili had imprisoned her in an unbreakable crystal. With their mission accomplished, the soldiers trapped their former ruler in chains and carried him back to Muni to stand trial. As far as he knew, Hecapo had killed his child and the MHC would soon murder his wife. He had been defeated. Let the trial commence, Warner Spiderbite bellowed. Duke Robert of the Misty Mountains will read the offense. 
An elderly man with two large front teeth stood up from the jury booth, reading a scroll. Ahem, Eclipsine Totalis Dragonfly stands accused of abandoning his duties as ruler, committing adultery with a monster, and practicing dark magic. Thank you, Duke Robert. Eclipsine, how do you plead? You killed my father! Eclipsine spat back. I have nothing to say to you. I believe we've heard enough. Warner turned to the jury who passed the verdict to Omnitrax's prime. The people of Muni have spoken. The omnipotent being read the verdict. We find Eclipsine Totalis Dragonfly guilty as charged. The motion passes. Warner slammed his gavel on the podium. Eclipsine Dragonfly, you are hereby sentenced to death. However, given that you were once royalty, you have the unique opportunity to choose how you will be executed. There are plenty of methods for you to choose from. Poisons, gas, guillotine, flames. And it can be done immediately, or at any time of your choosing within the next 48 hours. Eclipsine hung his head and sighed, dejectedly. For a brief moment, it seemed that all hope was lost. However, he happened to recall a certain spell that just might turn the odds in his favor. It was a simple spell, meant to allow any who cast it to communicate with the person they are making eye contact with at the time. And yet, as they communicate with said person, they do so only through their minds while still able to speak aloud. Realizing that the council would be demanding an answer soon, Eclipsine locked his gaze onto his trusted teacher. And with a coy smile, he muttered the secret words. I'm a very rich man. Speak up, Eclipsine, Warner shouted. What did you say? Uh, I'm sorry, the King of Darkness replied. I simply said that I am a very rich man. I have been blessed with many different riches throughout my life. I was born into royalty, given the finest of education, and now I have the luxury to decide how I will die. Why, it'd be selfish of me not to take advantage of that opportunity. While the rest of the delegates listened, Indexia was hearing something completely different. Eclipsine had a plan to get revenge on his father's killer and restore honor to his family's name. It was a long shot, but at this point he had nothing to lose. Giving him a simple nod, she made a silent vow to follow him to the bitter end. The King of Darkness winked at his teacher thanking her for her loyalty. Then, have you chosen your method of execution, Eclipsine? Warner asked. I have indeed. Eclipsine nodded. I choose to be given the magical high commission as my executioners. And that only they and I will know the means of my execution. The crowd fell silent. The delegates and MHC looked at one another with confusion. This is unheard of. The Duke of the Misty Mountains said, at last. Um, Eclipsine, we don't understand the nature of the request, Warner stated. Oh, it's simple. Eclipsine shrugged with a smug grin plastered over his face. I merely wish for my death to have the one thing I always wanted in life, privacy. Warner's gaze turned to the magical High Commission, each member equally as perplexed as the delegates. In the end, they court agreed that there would be no harm in the fallen king's decision. Very well, Eclipsine. And at what time shall your execution take place? Midnight tonight. Any other requests? 
Just one. Eclipsing replied evenly. I wish to die at home. In the caverns far below the castle's dungeon. With the tribunal complete, the magical high commission led their former king out of the courtroom. Far below Dragonfly Castle. 11.15 p.m. Eclipsine was sitting in an enclosed room made of iron, furnished with a bed, a table, and a chair. As agreed upon by the council, two guards were stationed at the entrance of the cave in the event that Eclipsine attempted an escape. He was dressed in his favorite suit made by his late Aunt Jessica, complete with the bowler hat containing the twig he added to signify his title as King of Darkness. He had just finished his last meal when he heard the tumblers of his cell door turning to unlock. Hello, Warner. He smiled. What brings you here? What are you talking about? Warner scoffed, closing the door behind him as he stuffed the key into his coat pocket. You gave Hecapo a letter to give to me. It said you wanted me before you die. I know what prompted you to come here. But why did you come? The King of Darkness leaned back in his seat with a coy smile. Oh, were you still with the delegates? You always had a nasty habit of reading out loud, didn't you? They know you're here, don't they? Warner straightened his tie and sat down on the bed. Yes. Indeed they do. They know that I will not be intimidated by such a dangerous individual such as yourself. Eclipsine chuckled, indignantly. And you call me pathetic. You came here because you still felt the need to prove yourself, Warner. Which honestly baffles me. You won. Your family now has control over the entire kingdom of Muni. You've killed my family and friends. And yet you still needed to come down here to prove that you aren't afraid of me? Well, what an incredible burden I must be. I never could understand the ridiculous thinking process of feeble old politicians such as yourself. The Baron of Spiderbites fumed with rage. Well, I can't understand how the monster carver could have sired a monster lover. He would thank me for seeing to it that he couldn't live long enough to see what a disappointment you turned out to be. So you admit it. Eclipsine crossed his arms bitterly. You did sell the venom to the lizards. In the past, Spiderbite had always been quick to dismiss the king's accusations. But down below the castle, where none of the delegates were present and the guards were too far away to hear anything, he didn't hesitate to laugh at the deposed ruler's expense. I didn't sell them the venom, I gave it to them. Your father was an arrogant, idiotic brute who would have driven this kingdom to the brink of ruin just to settle his pathetic vendetta. The lizards agreed to leave my family's kingdom alone in exchange for being free to destroy the rest of Muni. It's a miracle this very castle is still standing after Solarius' madness. Eclipsine struggled to resist the urge to attack his visitor. Choose your next words very carefully, he warned. Oh, what's wrong? Have I offended you? Warner sneered. I see no point in being tactful with the bastard son of a maniacal warmonger and a seafaring whore. That alone should have been a red flag from the start. I mean, just look at you. Those dark, disturbing eyes, that sickly pale skin, and those hideous black marks on your arms. Honestly, I can't believe it took an affair with a monster for the fools of this pathetic kingdom to turn against you. I guess I'm just lucky that you failed to keep it a secret. 
Truthfully, I'm grateful you outed me, Eclipsine replied. Thanks to you, I know that wherever she is, my mother still loves and accepts me in spite of this miserable world's discrimination. I'd rather be hated for who I am than liked for who I pretend to be. Then you're an idiot. The Baron chuckled indignantly. Well, I hope you enjoyed that time you spent with the monster and your deformed offspring, because once whatever execution you've selected is set into motion, the former King Eclipsing Dragonfly goes to the deepest, blackest, bleakest pits of hell. The Baron turned to head towards the exit, having said all he wanted to. However, in spite of all he had just said, the King of Darkness smiled, wickedly. Threading his fingers together, as he leaned over the table, Eclipsine beaconed to his guests once more. Warner? Warner groaned in frustration. Nevertheless, he crossed his arms over his chest and leaned against the wall. Make it quick, Eclipsine. Oh, you don't have to worry about the time, Warner. Eclipsine promised, his demeanor much more pleasant. You're not going anywhere. You see, the truth is, I haven't been completely fair with you since you arrived. Would you still like to know the method of execution I've selected? When Warner nodded in agreement, Eclipsine's smile grew wider. Well, at midnight tonight approximately thirty minutes from now a bomb is going to explode in this room. Warner's smile vanished as his eyes nervously darted around the dungeon. Very good choice, Eclipsine, he replied, clearing his throat. Relatively quick and painless. I suppose so. Eclipsine nodded. However, it is a rather odd request, isn't it? After all, sitting in a room for hours, knowing that you will die in a violent explosion, isn't the most pleasant way to spend your last evening alive. Why, surely, it would drive any individual mad, wouldn't you agree? I guess that depends on the individual. Warner shrugged and reached into his pocket, only to find nothing there. My key. Where is it? Where is it? As he dropped to his knees to search for it, Eclipsine stood up from his chair and paced around the room. You are correct, Warner. It depends on the individual. He laughed. Warner jumped to his feet in a panic and grabbed the collar of Eclipsine's shirt. Let me out of here. Give me my key right now, or I'll dash. You'll what? Kill me? You still won't escape the blast. By the time you even find the key, it will be too late. Eclipsine rolled his eyes and swatted the baron's arms away. Reaching into his coat to pull out a book, the young king lay down on his bed. For years you and everyone else in this kingdom have mocked and shunned me behind my back. You think you're better than I am simply because I do not conform to your norms. And because of that, you've made the grave mistake of thinking that I am weaker than you. Speechless, Warner sat down in the chair. His heart was pounding, his pupils dilated, and his lungs were burning. In stark contrast, Eclipsine began to read the small book as if everything were completely fine. This book contains the doctrine my wife and I wrote together. We initially created it for the monsters who lived with us in our temple, but we planned to incorporate it into the law once we bridged the gap between our two societies. So, if I am to die... I choose to spend my remaining time reading my precious doctrine. The minutes had felt like hours to the quivering baron. As Eclipsine read, 
Warner had resorted to banging his fists on the cell door, screaming for help. But it was no use, no one could hear him. And yet, despite Warner's trembling and tears, Eclipsine continued to read the doctrine of the monsters without a hint of worry in his tone. And though we walk the line between light and darkness, we do not succumb to evil. We defy it. We abstain from it. And only when necessary, we punish it. Please! Warner finally cried. Let me out! In the name of Stump, let me out! The cowardly baron continued pounding on the solid iron in a vain attempt to break it down. Let me out! Yes, baron! Eclipsine closed his book and reached into his pocket. In the name of Stump I will let you out! He handed the key to the whimpering murderer, and watched in contempt as he hurried out the door. With his plan complete, the King of Darkness spread his arms and closed his eyes peacefully. Warner ducked just in time before the explosion went off. The solid iron room was completely shattered to pieces. Once the dust settled, Warner sighed with relief and stood up. Only to see Eclipse seen Dragonfly trapped inside a massive crystal. What? The Baron backed away from the crystal as if trying to get away from the menacing fire in Eclipsine's frozen eyes. Suddenly, something pierced his back and sliced his spinal column in half. Paralyzed from the waist down, Warner could do nothing but helplessly look up at his attacker. You know, I've been wanting to do that for years. Hecapo sneered, cleaning the blood off of his scissors. I just never had an excuse until now. What? Warner repeated as Omnitraxus, Lekmat and Rombili joined their brother. W.H., what's going on? What's happening? Well, we kinda made a deal with Eclipsine, Rombili replied. He bomb he mentioned was a new trap of my design. If he couldn't get a confession out of you before it went off, then we'd decrystallize him and execute him properly. But since he was able to get you to confess to having a hand in King Solarius assassination, we agreed to keep him and his monster lover alive and crystallized for all eternity. Omnitraxis reached down to grab the crippled baron's leg. Now, obviously, we ain't got much love for Eclipsine. Hecapo snipped his scissors in front of Warner's face, menacingly. But Solarius was our friend. Wait, no. Stop. You can't do this. Oh, for fuck's sake, Spiderbite. Try to at least die with some dignity. Hecapo scoffed as he and his sisters dragged the pitiful man off to be executed. No! No, please! My friends! Warner begged as he dug his fingernails into the ground. I only want to serve Muni! I didn't mean it! Please! He tricked me! It was more of his lies! It's Eclipsine's fault! No! No! No. No. Anoo. The cave fell deathly silent once the coward was finally taken out of the new crystalline dungeon. The magical high commission would uphold their end of the bargain, and keep Eclipsine and his monster wife locked away in their separate crystal prisons. As far as the rest of the kingdom was concerned, the king and queen of darkness would never see the light of day again. Or so they thought. Eclipsine, king of darkness, to a Muman queen was wed, but took a monster for his love, and away from Muni fled.